no sleeping. I can see who you are from up here. I can't see you on Sunday mornings, but uh, you know who you are. So I get the privilege tonight to share, and I do count it a privilege, as you guys, most of you that know me, this is like the highlight of my month to be able to share. Merlin gets to do this every week, so um, good for him. But I really, really enjoy um, having an opportunity to share and, and, uh, and seeking the Lord and just seeing what he does with that. So having said that, this afternoon, the Lord kind of changed directions. We're still going to talk about spiritual gifts, which is the assignment, but he kind of changed how we were going to go about looking at the spiritual gifts. I was talking to, I believe it was Merlin this morning, and you could talk for probably the rest of the month on spiritual gifts. And I believe he said he even had a, a series at one time, probably took about six years to get through it. I'm just picking on him. He's a good brother, and I appreciate you as a Bible teacher, brother. But tonight, as we look at spiritual gifts, I think before we, before we get too far, we've got to see... Let me just start off with this. During his life on earth, Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit to do ministry. Jesus said that one day Christians would do even greater ministry than he did, John 14, 12. While this does not mean that Christians are greater than Jesus, it does mean that Christians who are also gifted and empowered by the Holy Spirit can minister to more, more, than one per, uh, more people than Jesus did because there's billions of Christians. There's billions of us spread across the earth. Therefore, as we begin our study of spiritual gifts, it's significant that we first see that our personal ministry is a continuation of Jesus' ministry. And I stole this from a website. So or to summarize, the gifts of God are given through the Spirit of God so that the church of God can minister like the Son of God. Did you get that? The gifts of God are given through the Spirit of God so that the church of God can minister like the Son of God. So as we look at spiritual gifts tonight, we've got to remember that just as the songs we sing, Jesus wants us to trust him with everything that we have. Amen? He wants us to trust him. But it's not that easy, is it? it we like to say, and we like to sing, trust and obey. We like to, to come across that way. But can we really lay our life down, let God pour whatever gifts, and I believe there's, there's more than one in each one of us, and then be okay with that? Is that the place where we're at tonight? And I hope as we go through this, we can talk about some of those things. And I want to say at the very end, we're gonna, I'm going to ask if there's any questions because we're going to cover a lot of ground and I may overspeak or underspeak in certain places. Not that I may have an answer for you, but I just want to make sure that I'm clear tonight as I try to express what God's word has to say. So as I was going through this, I keep asking myself, Lord, why is it that this is such a tough subject for us as Christians? Why is spiritual gifts such a big deal for us? Why is it such a, like almost a taboo type of thing? I think sometimes we're just afraid that God's going to ask us to do something really hard. Like you're going to be standing in line at the Walgreens getting your prescription and God's going to give you the gift of tongues, right? Are we afraid of that? Right? We always go to the, the, the harshest example, right? I think sometimes we're just afraid of what God might do through us. We see people sometimes who misuse gifts or maybe even mimic a gift that God has said in his word is a good thing, and we see that sometimes. You know, we had a, a gentleman years ago, he came knocking on our door at our house, and they were passing out goldfish, right? If you come and, and visit our church, we're going to give you a goldfish. I'm like, I don't need a goldfish, right? I got like 47 youngins and, and a wife, and we don't need a goldfish. 
And I said, hey, we, we go to a church and blah, blah, blah. And he was a very charismatic man, a dear brother. And he challenged me. He says, well, do you speak in tongues? And I said, yes, I speak English. <laughs> and as you can imagine, the, the conversation didn't go very well. <laughs> but that's kind of how we approach the spiritual gifts at times. I think as Christians, sometimes we're afraid of it. The other thing I think sometimes as Christians, we... We think it, coming from the conservative realm that most of us grew up in, most of you guys have grown up in, that it's almost prideful to know what God, is, God wants you to do, or the gifts that God has poured into you. I can tell you, it's not pride. If God's done it, hey, amen. It's not pride. But I think sometimes we perceive it as pride. If somebody comes to you and says, I have the gift of teaching, well, there's a proud rascal there, isn't it? We think that. But that should be okay. Amen. Then teach or preach or whatever that gift is that God's given you. <clears throat> but I do think that our lack of understanding the spiritual gifts, our lack of applying the spiritual gifts is part of the weakness of our churches today in our church culture. Now, spiritual gifts differ from natural talents and abilities, right? Some of you are great with your hands, right? Not a spiritual gift. Some of you can sing wonderfully. My hand and my girls can sing wonderfully. Again, not a spiritual gift. Wonderful things. Use that for bring honor and glory to the Lord. But I want to talk about the spiritual gifts. I want to talk about that supernatural thing that happened this side of the cross in your life. What really changed on the inside and how God wants to use what he's doing in you to bring honor and glory to him. That's what we want to focus on tonight. I know some people say, well, you know, I play the guitar. That's my spiritual gift. No, you play the guitar and praise God for that, right? But it's not a spiritual gift. It's a gift. It's a good thing. But it's not one of the spiritual gifts that Jesus talks about. I'm just going to tell on myself a little bit, if you guys would have been the first time that I ever got to share, we'd already be over, right? And you guys are thinking, I wish that was tonight, <laughs> right? But I knew that as I was being encouraged by some other men that this was kind of the Lord's direction for me, but it wasn't very pretty. And that's where we have to continually allow the Lord to change us and mold us and make us. I'm going to pick on Merlin here. I bet his first sermon wasn't as good as this morning. Anybody, was anybody at his first sermon? Heidi was. Are they the same or a little different? A little different, right? Amen. He grew in that, right? We can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. We can also grow in the gifts that he's given us, the abilities that he's given us. We've got to be mindful of that, but let's not be afraid of what God wants to do in us and through us. Brethren shared a beautiful verse this morning, Acts 27, 23, in the second half of that verse where it said, whom I belong and whom I worship, or whom I serve. We're going to keep that same theme tonight, right? It's as we serve, that's when we allow God's gifts to flow through us, right? It's when we allow God's gifting to throw us through us. And remember that, that worship is, is also serve. So as I was praying this afternoon, like, Lord, as we, we get into this, this is an exciting time, and I feel like the Lord was saying, Chris, let's just remind each one of us, including myself, what, what is my calling, right? Because our calling is different than our spiritual gifts. I want to make sure that we understand that. So our calling, 
You think about what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Well, the easiest way to put that is, is the Sermon on the Mount. You know, Jesus, he, he had the multitudes there, and the disciples came to him in Matthew chapter 5 when they sat at his feet, and he began to teach them, right? To teach them what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, what it looks like to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. He goes on to tell us in Matthew 28 that we are to fulfill the Great Commission, right? This isn't just for pastors. This isn't for teachers. This is a calling that we all have on our life, that we're to go and make disciples. Let me read that verse so I don't misquote it there. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And he says amen right there. I appreciate that. <laughs> Come on, you guys, it's okay. So Jesus teaches us how to pray. He teaches us how to walk. He teaches us how to talk, right? These are all foundational to who we are, right? God gave us Jesus, right? We needed Jesus because we needed forgiveness of our sins. We needed a sacrificial payment for our sins that we couldn't pay on our own. God allowed him to be raised three days later after he died for our sins that we can have power and victory over sin and death. And now God says on this side of the cross, he wants to fill us to fulfill all the things that we just talked about because even though we all have that calling in our life, we all have a different piece, so to speak, of how we go about fulfilling that. Galatians 5.22. Turn your Bibles real quick. Another misconception is we think these are the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? But the Bible says these are the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of what God wants to do in his children and his sons and his daughters. The Bible says in John that he gave us the power to become his sons and his daughters, so when we think about spiritual gifts, we've got we've to sideline what the fruit of the Spirit is because the fruit of the Spirit is common to all of us. These are things that should be hanging on the fruitful trees of everyone in this room. The Bible says in verse 22 of, of Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there's no law. And they that are Christ, which is all of us, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking another, envying one another. So the fruit of the Spirit, this is common to all of us. Everyone in this room should have love, joy, peace, kindness all the way through, right? Those should be something that we strive for, a common thing that we all have that we want to see grow in our lives. John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39 Jesus says on the, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. By this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And that's where we get that picture. That's what God wants to do with us. He wants to pour into us him to flow through us and we can be a part of what Christ has called us to do, right? We all have a piece in this, right? So, so get that picture. God wants to pour into you so you can pour into others. Amen? And that's all of us, right? Not, 
not just the pastor up here on Sunday morning, not just Glenn, not just your Sunday school teacher, but everybody in this room has at least one spiritual gift and God wants to do that in you and through you. We good? We're good. So the bottom line is our life has to be completely about him, completely about him and not about us. So there's a, there's a website, and I was going to do a PowerPoint and just never got it done, but there's a website called churchgrowth.org. And if you ever want to go on and say, hey, let me take a test, it's 100 questions of what a spiritual gift test is, and I think these things are they're pretty, pretty good. I'm not saying it's the most accurate thing in the world, but if you ever think, well, I just really am confused about my spiritual gift, go online and do this. But answer it as if Jesus is sitting with you, right? And maybe even have your spouse with you. Because one thing when I was interested in this very early on in coming to this church, and Merlin told me, he said, hey, we did a spiritual gift test. And he gave me the results. And I don't go to that church. I don't go to that church. The gift of hospitality was off the charts, right? And all the other things, there wasn't a preacher, there wasn't a teacher, minus one. It was, it was very skewed. Sometimes we answer tests based on what we think people want to hear versus who we truly are. So if you're going to take one of those tests, make sure you're honest. Make sure you're really thinking about who I am and, and, and what, what does the Lord have for me. So just as a disclaimer, spiritual gifts are given by God's choice. We don't get a chance to choose those, even though Paul tells us that we can earnestly desire those. So anyone who's unhappy about what God has designed them in, in effect, is complaining about God, not giving them the gift they want. It's kind of like a spoiled child who gets a present on Christmas morning and they don't like what they've gotten. So God wants to ex- us to accept who he's called us to be and then walk that out. So a couple quick things. So as we look into the spiritual gifts, and we're going to read um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to look at some of these. So God is a God of order, right? And there's offices in the church that are for men, right? And we don't want to take away from that. But when we look at the spiritual gifts, there's no discernment between male and female. Now, I'm not saying women should be pastors. I'm not saying that at all. God is a God of order, amen? But I'm saying that women can have the gifts that are listed. Doesn't mean that they're going to pastor a church, but they have some of those same qualities that they can encourage other women with. So let's think about those things as we look at this. One of the other things as I was studying this is there was a, one pastor I was reading. Um, he said that you know, a lot of his congregation, he's a big, big congregation out in, uh, I think it was Washington, and a lot of his people struggle with spiritual gifts because they don't feel like they're worthy enough that God would use them. They don't feel worthy enough that God would use them. They feel like they're so broken that their life has been such a mess all these years that God can't use them. And I'm here to tell you tonight that that's exactly the person God wants to use. He wants to take our lives, this side of the cross, and fill it full of him and show the world just who he is. And we get the privilege of being a part of that. Privilege of being a part of that. So whatever brokenness has happened in your past, whatever the heartbreak or anything that's happened in your life, don't allow that to hold you back from what God wants to do in your life. We can't use that as an excuse. If Jesus has forgiven you and you're washed in the blood of the lamb, he wants to fill you with his spirit. He wants to use you to bring about his glory. 
All right, so let's turn our Bibles. We're going to start off in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to skip around a little bit, and I don't want to make too labor at the comments. But I want us to get an understanding of what Paul's trying to write to us. Now, another quick disclaimer. None of us in this room have every spiritual gift. You know why? Because if you had all your gifts, then you wouldn't need anybody else. That's not the way God designed us. He designed us to be a complete body, which is all these gifts. And there's, there's technically 17, and you can break it down to 9, or you can break it down to 30. But uh, I'm going with the 17 tonight. But we need all 17 gifts, multiples of these gifts, to be a body. To be a body. To be a complete body. <clears throat> So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, looking at the first six verses, it says Paul writing to Corinth. He's writing because he's having questions that are asked to him or things that he's seeing in the church there at Corinth, and he wants to combat those things. Verse 1 says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I would not have you to be ignorant. All right, he's telling them right off the bat, guys, I want you to understand what God wants to do in you and through you. You knew that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now, these, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministration, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operation, but the same God, which worketh all in all. So Paul's saying, guys, I want you to understand because obviously if you read through um, chapter 14 and some other chapters in Corinth, there was some trying to put on things apart from allowing God to flow through them, right? The one thing that we've got to think about as we look at the spiritual gifts is that, you know, we, we sometimes want the ones that are the most glamorous, right? And if that's what your desire is, it's probably the, the opposite of what God's going to give you, right? And really, all we really should really want is just what does God want for me? That's the gifts that I want. I want to I walk in the gifts that God has for me. I was in a prayer meeting years and years ago, and there was this young man in the, in the prayer meeting. He was praying that God would give him good gifts to edify the, the church. And I thought that was kind of an odd prayer, right? Because we already have gifts that God gives us that are there for the edification of the church. Really, our prayer should be, Lord, how do I plug it in? How do I turn it on? And how do I use it? Because we need that. He goes on to say in verse 4 that there's one spirit, but there's different distribution. There's different ways in which he gives this out, different portions in which he gives it out. Again, we're not all going to be the same. When we start talking about these gifts, they don't always look exactly the same because you know what? If they all looked exactly the same, Again, it would be a very boring place. It would be a place where we couldn't reach as many people because God wants to use each one of us a little differently. Amen? That's completely okay. We serve a God who created you. He wanted a you. You know, for the longest time, that was the hardest thing for me to understand. Lord, how did you ever want me? Why, why would you want me, right? And why would you want to pour anything into me? But remember, it's about Jesus, it's about him. And I want you to hear that tonight. I think it's God's heart tonight that we hear. He wants to 
be honored and glorified in this flesh of ours, in this carcass that we carry around. He wants to be honored and glorified. He wants to receive the honor and glory. He wants to work in us and through us to bring others to the kingdom of God. That's what his goal is. Verse 6, and there are diversities of operation, but the same God which works with all in all. Again, it's going to be a little different for each one of us. Verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. He says here, there's a goal in the whole thing, that we're going to bring everybody together, that it will be a profitable thing for all of us. All of us, our sisters and our brothers, all of us together using our gifts. Again, in order. <clears throat> Let's jump down to verse 12. We'll come back to the verses 8 through 11 in a few minutes. Paul goes on to say, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. He's saying that as we have all these differences of gifts, differences of people in this body, we're all collectively here as a representation of the body of Christ. For by one spirit all were baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Gentile, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit, his Holy Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I'm not of the body. It is therefore not of the body. If the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body. It is therefore not of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it has pleased him. And if they were all one member, who were, who were the body? But now are there many members, yet but one body. So he goes, it's a pretty lengthy thing here, but he's talking about our body, right? And if I'm the elbow, be the elbow, right? I need my elbow. I need my feet. But we also need our mouth. We need our ears and we need our eyes. We need all these things, right? So if you had to choose, which one do you want to lose? Right? Nothing. We want to keep intact, complete, a whole body that can represent the whole Christ to a dying world. That's what God's direction is for his church. He wants us to be a complete body, representing him in every facet of these spiritual gifts so we can show this lost and dying world what Jesus looks like as we serve together. As we serve together. And just, you know, and if, and if you happen to be that elbow, don't desire to be the eye. Right? If you're the big toe, don't be a mouth. Be the big toe. I had a, a guy who worked for me years ago, and he got run over by a forklift and lost his big toe. And he had a hard time walking. He realized it, didn't realize how, much, how important that big toe was. He couldn't hardly stand up straight for the longest time. So... Every member of our body is very, very important. Very important. Everybody in this room is very important to this congregation, to this local body of, as we represent Jesus Christ. Verse 19, and if they were all one member, where were the body? But now there are many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more, these, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. Those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. 
For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to the part which is lacked. That therefore should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. If one member be honored, all members rejoice with it. Think about that for a minute. Think about that. Do we do, we do that? One person in the congregation maybe is really serving God, really getting things done, and what do we do? We get jealous. We look at him and go, well, well, uh, well, I'm doing stuff too. Right? We should rejoice with that brother or that sister. Right? We should rejoice that God is doing something in our life. We're all part of the same body, the body of Christ. And if one member's getting honor for what they're doing in God's name, we should rejoice with that. Amen? We should rejoice with that, not, not fight against it or, or let pride or some arrogancy come up in our own eyes that we, we almost get jealous of that. And, and man, we, we get jealous at times. We do. Now, I'm one of the worst. I get, whoever's preaching, I critique the fool out of them, right? Like, wow, well, I would have said this and I would have done that, right? That's foolish. God wants to receive honor and glory in our lives. He's doing these things in us and through us for his glory. Verse 27, now you're the body of Christ and members in particular, and God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers, after that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Now, verse 28 is an interesting verse. Because so many people, when they get into the spiritual gifts, they kind of flip that order around. And they really focus on the healing and the miracles and those kind of things. And, but Paul says, according to the Holy Spirit that's leading him to write this, first are the apostles, then the prophets, then the teachers. Can you see God's heart in this? He wants those that can really edify and encourage the body. Not that there's other things that are not necessary and they're not important, but God is the God of order. Verse 29, he says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles. Verse 30, have all the gifts of healing. Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? He's asking lots of good questions here. Turn your Bibles over to Romans chapter 12. There's a couple, couple more gifts that we didn't quite hit in this, in this section of Scripture. Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. Romans 12, 6 through 8. The Bible says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophesy, let us prophesy, according to proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on ministering. He that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, <clears throat> he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. With cheerfulness. And then turn over to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. The Bible says, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, 
for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lay in wait to deceive us, but speaking the truth and love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. And here we, we, we see one of the purposes of the gifts that God wants to work in us and through us, that we be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. But we'd speak the truth in love and grow up in him all things, which is the head, even Christ. <clears throat> so we've said a lot of things about what God wants to do in us and through us. So now we're going to walk through the spiritual gifts, and we're going to walk through each one. And I want to challenge you as, we, as I kind of read through each one, and I just kind of got a, a, brief, a brief synopsis of each one. I want you to pray and really ask God, Lord, help me to understand my gifts more fully. So can we pray together, and then we'll walk through this, okay? So let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, you're so good to us. You're so good to your children. Lord, you love us beyond measure, Lord, more than we can ever understand. And Lord, we, we're just blown away by the fact that you want to use us to bring honor and glory to you to further your kingdom, Father. And Lord, we were reminded earlier that our call in our life is to be a faithful follower of Jesus. And Lord, I pray you would help us to completely trust you tonight, that we would surrender away our ego and our pride and all the other things that hinder us from saying yes to the good and the powerful things that you want to do in us and through us. And Lord, I pray for the congregation tonight, Lord, that as we read these spiritual gifts, Lord, you would prick our hearts, Lord. Help us to better understand the way you've gifted us, Father. Let it not be a mystery to us any longer, Father. May we feel, may we see, may we be encouraged tonight to walk in the fullness that is Jesus as we allow those gifts that you've poured into us to grow. Lord, help us. We're a needy people. Lord, we need you tonight. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first one we're going to talk about tonight. Let me get back to my spot here. Is the gift of wisdom. So the gift of wisdom is the ability to have insight into people and situations that's not obvious to the average person. Combined with an understanding of what to do and how to do it. It's the ability to not only see, but also apply the principles of God's word to the practical matters of life by the spirit of wisdom. People with the gift of wisdom have an ability to connect biblical truth and apply it to people's lives so they make good choices, avoid foolish mistakes. These people today function well as coaches, counselors, and consultants. The gift of wisdom. That's a great gift. Amen. So the challenge is, is, is that your gift tonight? The spirit of knowledge. The word of knowledge is the ability to research, remember, and make effective use of a variety of information on a number of diverse subjects. People with the gift of knowledge love to study. They love to learn. They're not content with a surface-level knowledge of topics. They're compelled to conduct thorough research, comp compile their findings so that others can benefit from their long hours of focused study. People with the spiritual gift love God with all their mind, and these people tend to like to, to write in their Bibles, to write footnotes, right? The spiritual gift of knowledge. And again, be in prayer tonight as we read these that God would help us to understand our gifts. 
The gift of faith, this is one of my favorite ones. The gift of faith is the ability to envision what needs to be done and trust God to accomplish it. Even though it seems impossible to most people, people with the gift of faith trust God even in difficult, even impossible situations when others are ready to give up. You guys know the people like this. No matter how awful things are, they've got a smile on their face and they believe God will get it done. I love these people. We've got several in our church. These people are often visionaries who dream big dreams, pray big prayers, and attempt big things for Jesus. These people tend to be optimistic, hopeful, persevering, change-oriented, and future-focused. These people also tend to be very convincing about the truth of Scripture because they themselves are so convinced of the truth and the power of God's Word. Okay, now we're going to get into uh, the gift of healing, right? Don't be, don't be afraid, right? It's Okay. And there's one thing that I wanna, wanna say real quick in this. I believe all these gifts are still true today. I know not everybody does, but I believe they're there. They're there. And I'm, I'm not saying every one of us have the gift of healing, but I believe that the gifts in Scripture are still part of today. And we can disagree if we wanna disagree, but I just believe that. So the gift of healing is the ability to call on God to heal the sick through supernatural means for the purpose of revealing God. People with the gift of healing trust that God can heal the sick and pray in faith for the physical restoration of those needs. These people see healing as a sign that God uses to reveal his power to people so that many will come to believe in Jesus. People with this gift do not see someone healed every time they ask God since healing is something that God alone decides to do. And remember that with all these gifts. The gift of faith, am I always faithful? The gift of wisdom, am I always full of wisdom? The gift of knowledge, do I have all knowledge? The answer is no. But we can grow in that. And I've seen the gift of healing. I've seen that work. I've seen God answer those prayers, and I've seen that healing happen. The Bible teaches us that all healing comes from God. And again, these gifts are to bring honor and glory to him. The next one, the spiritual gift of pastor or shepherd. In one sense, pastoring is the office, which we have a pastor. Thank you, the Lord, for him. Reserved for those men who meet the biblical criteria. In another sense, there's also a pastoral gift, also commonly known as shepherding or biblical counseling, that God gives to people in the church beyond the pastors and elders. These people protect, they guide, they discipline. I'm sorry, they disciple other people. The person with a pastoral gifting has a love for people that compels them to meet with people, to care for them, to guide them, biblical instruction. People with a gift find great joy in seeing people mature in their faith and overcoming besetting sin and discouragement. Spiritual gift of pastor and shepherding. Another touchy one, spiritual gift of miracles. The gift of miracles is the ability to call on God to do supernatural acts that reveal his power. People with the gift of miracles see God show up in extraordinary ways. From daily little events to major public displays, examples from the Bible include demons being cast out of people, Nature obeying God's authority and the dead being raised. Obviously, these sorts of things are uncommon and do not happen regularly, otherwise they'd be not viewed as a miracle. People with a gift do not chase signs and wonders, but they do expect signs and wonders to follow God's people who follow Jesus. And again, not one to be afraid of, but we can believe that God's going to use people to do those types of things. Guys are awful quiet. 
The spiritual gift of discernment, we talked about this a little bit in our Sunday school lesson this morning. This gift of discernment is the ability to quickly perceive whether such things as people, events, or beliefs are from God or Satan. People with the gift of discernment know that Satan and his demons disguise themselves as holy. They also know that Satan empowers counterfeit miracles to deceive people and that he empowers false teachers, false prophets, false apostles, and false doctrines. The gift of discernment, another wonderful gift. The spiritual gift of apostleship. The gift, not the office of apostleship, applies to such people as Barnabas. They, like apostles today, were gifted individuals sent out to move from place to place in order to begin churches, in order to begin and establish churches. This gift also includes the capacity to minister cross-culturally. Today, church planners and missionaries are operating out of the gift of apostleship, as well as those Christian leaders God raised up to lead and influence multiple churches and pastors. People with the gift of apostleship often have a number of gifts, such as evangelism, teaching, leadership, faith, and are motivated by difficult new tasks. The gift of apostleship. Spiritual gift of teaching, one of my personal favorites. The gift of teaching is a God-given ability to understand and communicate biblical truth in a clear and relevant manner so that there is understanding and application. People with the gift of teaching enjoy learning, researching, communicating, and illustrating truth of Scripture. These people enjoy studying and learning new information and find great joy in sharing it, amen, with others. The format of teaching varies from one-on-one discipleship to formal classrooms, Bible studies, large groups, preaching, etc. That's a wonderful gift. The spiritual gift of helps and service. The gift of helps and service is the ability to joyfully Keyword there, work alongside another and help that person complete the task that God has given them. People with, the gift of gener- with this gift generally prefer to work behind the scenes. They also tend to fight, find joy in helping alleviate the burdens and responsibilities of others. This gift is usually accompanied with an attitude of humility and sacrifice, as well as an ability to perceive the needs of others. And I will tell you, we've got quite a few unsung heroes in this church who fit this criteria, and Lord bless you for that. That's a wonderful gift. The next gift, spiritual gift of administration. The gift of administration is a God-given ability to give direction, make decisions on behalf of others that result in efficient operation and accomplishment of goals. And I've got a sister in here who owns this one, right? She's not my wife. My wife has wonderful gifts, but this is not in the top 10 for her which is okay, because it is for me. (laughs) We would kill each other otherwise. Often the mark of an administrator is the ability to accomplish things in a fitting and orderly way. Like to make lists, like to make plans. People with the gift of administration have a keen eye for detail. They may also possess the natural talents of organization, observing and using detail, problem solving, and reasoning. Now, another one, this next one is is a little bit of a taboo one, too, because... Most of us don't want this gift. I think we say we do, but we don't want this. This is the gift of evangelism. And we have some evangelists in this church. I'm convinced of that. I think we need to use them more, but we do have some evangelists in this church. The gift of evangelism is the ability and desire to boldly and clearly communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ so that that non-Christians can become Christians. People with the gift of evangelism often care passionately about the lost people have a strong desire to see them meet Jesus, 
They feel compassion for the lost and seek to earnestly understand their questions and doubts so they can provide a compelling answer. An evangelist often prefers being with people in the culture rather than hanging out with Christians in the church, just like Jesus did. Another great gift, the spiritual gift of encouragement. I love this gift, and we have some great encouragers in this church. The gift of encouragement, also the gift of exhortation, involves motivating, encouraging, and consoling others so they maturely walk with Jesus. People with the gift of encouragement have an unusual sensitivity for and are attracted to those who are discouraged or struggling. As a result, people tend to pursue them for healing words, gracious truth, and compassionate counsel. These people also tend to have a high degree of patience and optimism. Amen for those people. Another really tough one here, spiritual gift of giving, right? We can cheat this one. Yep, that's my gift. I gave, right? The gift of giving is the ability to give money and other forms of wealth joyfully, wisely, and generously to meet the needs of others and help support ministries. People with the gift of giving genuinely view their treasures, their talents, and time as on loan from God and not their own. They're often moved to meet the physical needs of others. They enjoy giving of themselves and what they have. Even if they do not possess the resources to help, they earnestly pray for the needs to be met. The gift of leadership. The spiritual gift of leadership is found in people who have a clear, significant vision from God, are able to communicate it publicly or privately in such a way that they influence others to pursue that vision. People with the gift of leadership tend to gravitate toward the point positions in a ministry. Others tend to have a trust and confidence in their abilities. They best serve others by leading them. They tend to operate with a strong sense of destiny. Spiritual gift of mercy. And we have a, quite a few mercies in our church. We have quite a few. Again, good gift. The gift of mercy is the capacity to feel and express unusual compassion. And that's exactly how I feel about it sometimes. It's unusual, right? Because I, I have a hard time understanding it. And sympathy for those in difficult or crisis situations and provide them with the necessary help and support to see them through tough times. People with the gift of mercy have the ability to walk in another's shoes. They feel the pain and burdens they carry. They desire to make a difference in the lives of hurting people without being judgmental. They may have a difficult time evaluating the intentions of others and at times appear pretty naive. I didn't, I'm just reading what it says. Spiritual gift of hospitality, and this is the 17th of the 17. The gift of hospitality. The spiritual gift of hospitality is the ability to welcome strangers, entertain guests, often in your home, with great joy and kindness so they become friends. Hospitality is supposed to include one's family, friends, Christians, and strangers who may not be Christians. People with the gift of hospitality tend to have an open home where others are welcome to visit, The gifting is often combined with the natural talents of interior design, cooking, and even planning. Importantly, hospitality is not to be extended to false teachers and the like who are a danger. So this list is long, but these are the area God wants to use us to further his kingdom. So 17 different things that God wants to pour at least one of those into us, probably multiples, some on a little varying scale. But here's the key to the whole thing. And church, hear this. You got to do something with it. If your gift is mercy, then show some mercy. 
If your gift is encouragement, go be an encouragement right here. And remember that these gifts are given because we need them. You're here because we need you. You say, well, this is, I've only been here a couple years. Good. Then get involved. We need your gifts. And I, and I say this to a church who does a pretty good job of this, right? I'm not saying this to scold us or to say that we're not living as we, we, we should. I'm saying there's another level where we are encouraging, we're merciful, we're taking all of God's gifts and we're using that to be a complete body. A complete body that represents Jesus Christ, again, to this lost and dying world. But we've got to be willing to allow God to use us in this. We've got to say yes to the gifts that he's poured in us in order for that to happen. And again, this is something supernatural that happens on this side of the cross. If you guys would have met me years ago before I became a Christian, this was never somewhere that I would have stood. Not that I went to church, but I, I'm not speaking in front of a group. Are you crazy? I, just not me. Even in high school to do a book report or anything, I don't want to stand in front of my own classmates. It's something that God has done in us, that others can say there's truly a difference because of Jesus in your life. These are the gifts that I'm seeing. And again, we see those in our life as we follow Jesus, as we allow him to change us. It's no coincidence that right after Corinthians chapter 12 where we learn about the gifts that he goes right into 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is a chapter on, on what? Amen. Where are these gifts apart from God's love? And when we talk about God's love in 1 Corinthians 13, it's agape love. It's the real deal. It's the love that we can only share with others because Jesus has showed up. All these gifts that God has poured into us and through us to, to be that representation of Jesus Christ is because of his great love. And he's calling us to, to serve. He's calling us to get busy with what he's given us so we can fulfill that, that great commission and teach, make disciples, and do the things that he's called us to do. Amen? All right, so I know I covered a, a lot there. Did I confuse anybody? Did I say anything that needs clarification? And again, I may not have an answer. I just feel like this was a lot to cover at one time, and I don't want anybody walking out here confused. There's smarter people in the room that can help me. If you have a question, yes, ma'am. Well, I say that because he says... Um, when he talks about gifts, it's always plural. And the commentaries that I've read, and again, I'm not, I'm not the greatest Bible scholar, I believe that we have at least one, uh, more than one. I believe that we have at least two or more. And I think if you, if you look at all the gifts that we just talked about, all 17, I mean, you can hit a few pretty quickly, right? Maybe on one end of the scale or the other, but I think that we all have some that were the highest on, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I know when I, when I look at myself, I'm very high on the administrative. I'm a teacher. And those are my two strongest spiritual gifts, I believe. And I believe as I use those, I think some of the others will grow. Don't you think some of the concern about using 
May, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. You don't think you have a gift? a good point. And that's where we need our discerners, right? The spiritual gift of discernment. We've got some of those in our church that we need to seek those people out and say, hey, can you give me a hand with this? Help me understand. You know, because for the longest time, I thought I was a pastor. That, that's God's will for me. I'm going to be a pastor. That's God's, you know, that's the gift he's given me. And, you know, it's not there. Um, and I didn't like that. But I want to walk in the gifts that God has for me. And, I, and I, I'm convinced that we all have them. I just think that it's such a taboo subject. I mean, if you start talking about this, and I've been bringing it up at work. I work with a lot of good Christian people. Hey, what's your spiritual gift? They're like, whoa, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, right there in Corinthians 12, what, what are your gifts? Well, we're not Pentecostal. That's what I heard over and over and over. And it's like, neither is Jesus, Right? Him, the Spirit, the Father, they're all kind of one, and these are the gifts that he wants his church to represent. But I believe that if we continue to pray, God will help us with this. Yes, sir. Thank you for uh, bringing this out, Chris. Uh, first of all, I think it's very unique that Ephesians 4 that you locked it into, uh, Ephesians 4 talks very plainly about the unity. Amen. And to connect in this is, you did it perfect. So I think you uh, hit it on the head there. Because Ephesians 4 talks about the unity and how we're supposed to use our gifts as a church, as a body, yeah. to encourage each other. Also, for you, Lana, you've got a lot of gifts. Yeah, you do. I'll be honest with you. I know I can pick at least, I can pick more than two on the top of my head for you. There you go. So. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm going to bring it up here real quick so Merlin can say something. Thank you for that, Merlin. I was, just, I was just saying, I mean, sometimes it is more effective to have someone else yeah. look at your life and, and help identify those things yep. because we don't always see them. Yep. We don't always know exactly what they are, or that can be a way of confirming that is indeed something that's operating in your life yeah. uh, that you don't, didn't know. Amen. Great, great point. And since I have this other comment I was going to make, just, again, an affirmation of what you said, uh, but also just uh, the encouragement that uh, if we don't think we have one of those gifts, it doesn't get us totally off the hook. So you think about through those gifts. Right. We often do that with the gift of evangelism. We think, well, I don't have that gift, so I don't need to. But you nailed it at the beginning. You said, well, we all have a calling. It's a similar calling. Yeah. We work together for it. For example, we probably would not ever encourage someone to say, well, if you don't think you don't have the gift of discernment, then you don't have to discern about anything. Right. We would say, no, no, you still need to have discernment. Right. You maybe don't have the extra uh, Holy Spirit-empowered ability to really nail those things but you still need to be discerning. Amen. You still should have some wisdom. You still should be able to talk about what you, I mean, you still should have faith, right? We would not tell anybody, well, you don't have the gift of faith, so you don't have to have any faith. So we, oh, we all have some of them in some parts. It's just that we're, we have particularly strong things in some. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. I, you know, I, I really appreciate this because, you know, as we became Christians in our 20s, and this was one of the areas that I was like, okay, Lord, I don't understand this. And it's somewhere that I've kind of camped out for years of just, Lord, what, what does it look like if your whole body is using their gifts? We're not afraid of them. We're not hiding in a corner. Please don't ask me to do nothing, right? Please don't ask me to teach or preach, 
or whatever the gift may be versus being the body of Christ. What does that look like? And it's kind of been my prayer for years. Lord, I really want to see that. And again, I'm not saying we're, not a, I'm not saying we're a bad church. And by any means, please don't hear that. But I believe there's another level of us connecting, having that unity, and really representing him completely, elbows and all. And when one member receives honor and glory, praising God for that. And when one member suffers, we suffer with him. We are a body. We're connected. God put us here for a reason. And we have at least these 17 once in this church, right? <laughs> or twice or 10 times or however many times. You know, one of the things I, I read when I was studying all this is that this is where a lot of denominations come from. A lot of brothers with the gift of knowledge, they start a denomination. A lot of brothers with the gift of wisdom, they start a denomination. A lot of brothers with prophecy, and that's kind of how denominations have gotten started. Well, we don't want to do that. We want to be the body of Christ. Amen? I'm not saying denominations are evil. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. But we're Christians. We represent Jesus. Any other questions? That was good. Yes, ma'am. This is going to be a hard one. Sorry. So where would you put the gift of tongues? Because I know there are a lot of people that... Wonder okay. about that at times. Would it be in one of these seventeen, or because I know how I feel about it? But what, you know, what? So does God feel? in First uh, Corinthians twelve, let me put my glasses on. Verses twenty-eight, he talks about um, the miracles and the gifts of healing. Uh, let's see here. Verse thirty. Verse thirty. Yeah, all the way through, 28 through 30, he talks about that. Now, the thing we've got to be clear about is in um, Corinthians chapter 14, verse 22, the Bible says, Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying service serves not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. Yeah, there, is a, there is a place for tongues according to Scripture, and I believe that's languages, and that it's really a sign to the unbeliever. Remember, Paul said, I speak in tongues more than anyone else. Well, what was Paul doing? He was going to the next place and the next place and the next place. And I believe God was using that. But I believe this is one of those that is so easily mimicked that we, we sometimes get lost in some of those things. And again, I don't have all things figured out. But I believe that God is the God of order. Anybody want to have anything else they want to add to that? Or was that answer your question, Mama? This is good. You guys are making me sweat up here. So the gift of tongues, I read a story. It was a true story that a man wrote. And they were at a pastor's conference. And um, there was pastors there from all over. And it was taking place at um, the bar of a hotel I think I shared this with Chris sometime. I don't know, but I've shared it with a few guys. Um, and the, the person leading the pastor's conference just put the question out there. Is there anybody here that has a tongue or a word of encouragement? And one of the guys got up and just started speaking in tongues. And the leader asked him, is there somebody here that can interpret it? Nobody could interpret it. So he told him to sit down. That night, 
the bartender came up to the person that was speaking, crying. He gave his life to the Lord right there. He said that he was speaking to him in a fluent language that he had learned as a child from another country. Amen. Amen. That, to me, is truly speaking in tongues. Yeah, praise God. Great example. You know, we were in India. We heard that testimony a couple of different times over. I think it was our first or second year where they were going. You know, there's so many different languages in India, and the same type of thing happened. The pastor went in, and he just preached like he always did, but yet somebody heard it in their own language. He didn't even know he did it. You know, somewhere between his mouth and their ears, God translated that, and that person heard the gospel in his language, and that's not the language the brother was speaking. God does those things. We, we serve a God who's able to speak to other people. But the, the, great play, the great part of this is he wants to use us. I am so excited about that. He wants to use us. I'm so excited what he's going to do with our young people and how he's going to grow them up in Jesus Christ. Any other questions? Yes, Benny. First Corinthians 12, verse 10, about speaking in tongues. I know us people growing up, well, we grow up, a lot of us are very uncomfortable talking about tongues, speaking in tongues. But it's, it's scripture. I mean, right. why are we so, why are we so uh, nervous when somebody talks about spiritual gifts? I, even myself, at times, am able to like that. You know, it's scripture. Right. Very good. Anybody else have a question or anybody need a hug? One of the gifts is the prophetic gift. And uh, I didn't remember that you read about it. Maybe I missed it. Uh, but it's, is it the word of knowledge? or um, Because it, it speaks of it in chapter 13. He says, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was just wondering, because I think if any <laughs> denomination is weak in the prophetic gift, it's probably the Mennonites. <laughs> I just don't see that gift being um, used much. And I was, my question has always been, I think we have silenced our prophets way too much. We have kind of pushed them out uh, and not given them any position in our churches. And I just question, what does a true prophet look like and how can we use him in our churches? That's a great question, Kervin, and that's not one I have an answer for. Does anybody have an answer that can help our uh, brother out here? Yeah. You're right. Yeah, I think those are the two for all three sections. I agree with you. I think it's another one that we're afraid of, Kervin. And uh, I think God uses people to, to speak live. And again, we don't need to be afraid of those things. 
I don't want to be really picky, but um, I think we need to adhere to Scripture as much as possible. Are we limiting God by thinking there's only 17? Right. I mean, you mentioned yeah. something that are not even listed in the, in the Bible. So uh, I think we need to be careful and be very accurate sure. in discerning these gifts. Yeah. Um, Amen. And the 17 that I was reading is, is a combination of those three sections put together. And some people just break it down a lot further. Um, some narrow it down to just nine. I like the, the 17 because I feel like it better accurately describes the, the gifts in those three sections. But uh, I agree with you, brother. We've got to stick to Scripture. It is what it is. I think the big thing that the Lord would have us to do is just not be afraid of what he wants to do in us. And I think that's, that's the sense that I have a lot of times of when you talk about these subjects is we're just we're afraid of what God might do through us and not really just loving the idea of him working in us. Does anybody else have anything they want to add or share? And if not, we'll, we'll close. All right, you guys want to stand up? We'll close in prayer. And... Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you for the gift of your spirit. And we thank you for Jesus tonight. Lord, we just want to love you more. We want, to, we want to walk in the fullness that is Jesus. We want to walk in the truth of your word. And, and Lord, I just pray you'd help us to understand more fully the, the gifts that you've poured into us and, and how you want us to plug that in, Lord, and truly represent you as the body of Christ, to be united, to work together for the common goal, Lord, of, of seeing souls saved and you raised up and you honored and glorified. Lord, we just want to be your people that do your will, Father. Lord, I thank you for each one here tonight. I pray you would encourage us, Father. Lord, I pray that if there's anything I said that doesn't belong, I pray you'd wipe it away. And I pray for it for the truths that went forth. You would change us. You'd mold us and, and make us because that's who you are. That's what you do. Lord, thank you for tonight. May you go with us, Lord, as we go our separate ways tonight, as we go out this week. I pray your blessings of encouragement on each one. Lord, I pray you'd meet that, meet, that need that's most needful in each heart tonight. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.